0: How are you now, Tank mm. Nation? Dare I ask? <laughs> oh, how are you now, though, folks? Your Montreal Canadians win five to two over the New Jersey Devils. Uh, wow! Hello and welcome to episode fifty-seven of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast. I am Matt Drake, and I am completely floored by the fact that they managed to pull that off. Um, let's face it, there was a pretty significant measure of uh, credit owed to the goaltender for the Habs in that one, Samuel Montembeau. Uh But let's get into it. Let's do the recap. We've got a couple of things I want to cover off at the tail end of that recap, but before we get to it, we gotta we got to talk about how did they manage to beat one of the best teams in the NHL 5-2. to two. Well, as soon as the puck dropped on this one, I got a feeling that the Habs were, were, were maybe going to steal one here. Uh, Because right off the initial drop of the puck, they go up ice and Josh Anderson gets a beautiful scoring chance and gets stopped by Vitek Vanacek. And I'm like, maybe we got a game on our hands here. Maybe the Habs might have something, particularly with that top line. And sure enough, sure as God's got sandals. About four minutes into the game, Nick Suzuki and Rafael Harvey-Pinard uh, do a really good job gaining the zone. Suzuki is kind of just meandering along the half wall with the puck, throws a beautiful pass back and across the ice over to Justin Barron as he's joining the rush, and he snipes one. Makes it one nothing for the Habs early. Honestly, for most of that first period, it was a pretty close game. Pretty surprising given the two teams that are involved in it. Pretty close in terms of shots. I'd say it was pretty close in terms of scoring chances as well. Both goaltenders actually playing pretty well in that period, uh, aside from that one goal that went in. And then with about five minutes to play in the period, uh, Jack Hughes puts a beautiful pass up the middle to Jesper Bratt. Uh, he gains the zone, just kind of loads up, fires one and snipes it. Beats Samuel Moldembo, makes it 1-1. Very early in the second period, however. Very similar play for the Habs to that first goal. This time it's Jesse Alonen. Gaining the zone and wheeling in the offensive zone. Stops near the bottom of the circle. Has a look. Throws it back. This time it's to Johnny Kovacevic. And he puts one through traffic to make it 2-1. to one. Very shortly after that. So quick strike by the Habs to get one again. And this time it's the top line once more. Quick transition by the Habs. Nick Suzuki gains the zone. Has a look himself. And absolutely snipes one. Far side. Top cheddar. 3-1 to one Montreal Canadiens. What's happening here? From that point on, the Devils really kind of took over the period. Uh, some of that was score effects. Uh, a lot of it was the AHL line that the Habs had with Michael Pizzetta, uh, Alex Belzil, and Jesus, who was the third one on that line? Jesse Alonum, uh was the third one on that line. They were getting kind of caved in. They were matched up against the Jack Hughes line for most of that game and Samuel Montembeau kind of had to stand on his head from that point on in the second period to, to keep it three to one for the Habs but that is your score at the end of 40 minutes shots however 24 to 12 for the Devils so you can see they're they're kind of showing who they are and the Habs you know showing who they're not early third though we're going back and forth a little bit we get a great chance for Josh Anderson at one end gets stopped by Vanacek, a great chance for Dawson Mercer at the other end, stopped by Samuel Montembeau, and then kind of goes back the devil's way. The devils are kind of taking over this game again. But they can't really maintain their control is the problem, not for long enough to actually beat Montembeau. And then what happens? The Habs, les employés de soutien, take over a little bit. Beautiful passing in the offensive zone between uh, Christian Dvorak, Evgeny Dadanov, and Rem Pitlick. Christian Dvorak gets the steal, kind of does a little bit, you know, back and forth with Evgeny Dadonov, and then Dadonov takes it down low, right around the bottom of the circle, puts it across the crease for Rem Pitlick, and Rem Pitlick gets an easy one. It's 4-1 for the Montreal Canadiens. Now the Devils, they try to mount a little bit of a comeback. Justin Barron in the box, a little bit past midway of the third period. Shot gets stopped, Jack Hughes takes one. Montembeau can handle that one. He cannot handle Dawson Mercer on the rebound. He puts it through. 4-2, the Devils have a little bit of life. And they pull Vitek Vanacek with like four minutes on the clock. They know they're going to need that extra attacker to get one past Samuel Montembeau on this night. And uh, almost immediately after they pull the goaltender, they get an offensive zone draw, which you think is probably pretty good. You got a 6-on-5 going. This is good. You've been pretty good in the face-off circle so far during the night. Why not? Well... Habs win that one cleanly. Mike Matheson, standing basically on his own goal line, just takes a moonshot, and he puts it in the empty net. Five to two, Montreal Canadiens. Good night, New Jersey, Tank Nation. Let me talk to you for a minute. I feel like we've been having these conversations a little too often lately about wins and losses and what they mean for the tank. I, th- I think you guys have a reason to be upset about this one. You know, this game would not have been close if not for Samuel Montembeau. But there's another factor that we have to consider as well, right? This game also could have been close, or could have been a two-to-nothing or two-to-one win for the New Jersey Devils if Vitek Vanacek played better, or conversely, if the Devils played better defensively. You're gonna get games like this sometimes, even when you're a good team. Even once the Habs get to the other end of the rebuild and they're actually good, they're gonna have games where their goaltender's got to steal it for them. Every team has them. You know the Lightning get wins that are stolen by Andre Vasilevsky all the time. We saw it in the playoffs during that run, in the Stanley Cup Final. What was it? Game um, Game three? I can't remember which one it was, but I think it was Game three where they heavily outshot the Lightning, and you know Vasilevsky stole it. We know the Lightning were the better team over the Habs in that series overall, but still. They needed their goaltender sometimes to steal wins for them. So, I don't think it's the worst thing on the planet that they got to steal. I am with you guys though. I'm a little bit upset about that one. I I feel like you know they kind of needed to learn a lesson on that one and not get so opportunistic and and have excellent goaltending uh, carry them to that five two win. But what are you gonna do? You know I think you got to take a look at who did the scoring. Um, and I think you also have to look at my player of the game. I think it's pretty clear who deserves this one. Samuel Montabo. Is he an NHL starting caliber goaltender? That's the one thing that seems to be lost this season that not enough people are talking about. I know I've brought it up a few times. I'm sure other people are thinking it as well. We need to seriously start considering if this guy's a fucking legitimate number one NHL goaltender. Is he capable of being this team's starter through this rebuild and also when they get to the other end of the rebuild. We know this roster is going to get better. I think they're going to be better next year. I don't know if they're going to be playoff good. I think that might be a bit of a tough sell. It's going to depend who they get in the draft. It's going to depend what who they can graduate in terms of prospects. And it's also going to very depend on them actually being healthy next season. That's a big question mark, right? If they were healthy this season, they'd probably be better than they are right now. Right? We saw how good this team was when uh, Sean Monaghan was there, but Samuel Montambeau has been consistent throughout the course of this season, no matter who's in front of him. he I, I, I can't honestly fault him for any of the games that he really got run up on. They, they weren't his fault. It's where the, when the high-danger scoring chances really start to pile up and they get a ton of cross-ice movement before they're shooting, that's where Samuel Montambeau tends to get lit up, but every goaltender gets lit up in those situations. So, again, none of the games where he got lit up were his fault. Any time that he's been able to get square to the pocket, doesn't matter if he faces 30, 40, 45, 50 shots. He's going to give you a pretty solid outing. And again, I think the question that we need to be asking here is, are these wins that they don't technically deserve? Are they indicative of the team at least finding their future starting goaltender? I don't know. Goaltending has been a huge question that they need to answer ever since it became clear that Carey Price is not going to play again. I think this guy has shown us enough in this season that maybe, just maybe, he's gonna be that guy. That's good news. So you know, Tank Nation, maybe if if, if you're real upset about that one, try to refocus on that, and then try to refocus on some of my other potential that, that could have been candidates for for Player of the Game, like Justin Barron. Look at Barron's trajectory so far this season. I mean, he was he didn't make the opening night roster. They had a bunch of other rookies making the set of him. So injuries give him an opportunity to come up to the big club. And look at how well he's been playing since he came up. It's been night and day from what we saw last year, or at least from what I saw from him last year. He's been great. I might have been a bit premature to judge. I've I've talked about it a couple of episodes recently. Uh, I ranked him pretty low in the top 25 or 25. Didn't really like what I saw last year, but maybe I was premature. You know, We didn't get a whole... Large sample from him last year. And so far this year, I mean, he's just gotten better and better and better at every step. And if that continues, man, you could have a scary good blue line for the Habs in the next couple of years. And I think Barron, along with all the other rookies that have come up this season, it could really push Kent Hughes to actually start making a deal for some of his veteran defenders. Keep in mind, they still got Mayu tearing it up in the OHL, Adam Engstrom tearing it up in Sweden. Like, never mind all the rookies that you already have that have proven that they can play in the NHL. If Kent Hughes was a little hesitant to pull the trigger on a deal involving Joel Edmondson or David Savard, I think he'd be a little bit less hesitant given what he's seen so far. Justin Barron now, you can add him into that mix with Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacka, Jordan Harris. This team is shaping up real nice on the blue line. If he was holding back on trading any of those veteran defenders because he was worried about his young players, phew, Forget about that. You can throw that out the window. Start looking for a fucking trade for these guys immediately. We know there's a market for Edmondson at the very least. I don't know about Savard. Um, It could be tough. But he's got Stanley Cup experience. You know, that kind of thing rings super valuable for NHL GMs. You never really know why. It's just the guy happened to be on a Stanley Cup winning team. He must have additional value. I don't know why that is. But... It seems to be the case year after year after year. So I implore Kent Hughes, please start trying to find a trade for one of those guys because we've been hearing recently that maybe it'll be a a quiet trade deadline for the Montreal Canadiens. I think it was Jeff Merrick who said that. Um, He's not expecting to see too much from the Habs this year. I don't necessarily believe that. I think Kent Hughes is probably just not doing very much to tip his hand. Um, I I think they're going to be active. I think they're going to make some moves. Um, Do I know who's going to get moved? I have no idea. I mean, they seem very reticent to trade Josh Anderson. And Josh Anderson, again, had a fantastic game against the uh, Devils. It's funny. Um, I think Brian Wilde tweeted it out. Said that, you know who could really use Josh Anderson is the Devils. They look really soft up front. I agree with him 100% on that. The Devils do not look like a very heavy team up front. They, They can't forecheck as well as some of the bigger teams. I know size is not the be-all, end-all of the NHL, but you get a big power forward like Josh Anderson on the Devils, all of a sudden they could take them to another level. We've seen what Josh Anderson can do in the playoffs when he's on. I mean, I, I hope that what, all this to say, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, I hope that what we've seen so far from young players, particularly on the blue line, helps Kent Hughes make the decision on trading some of the veterans. And you could say the same thing for the forwards, right? Look at Rafael Harvey Pinar. He's not supposed to be on that line. He's not a he's not a top line NHLer. But look how good that line was against the Devils. They were the Hab's best line far and away. You take a look at naturalstatric.com, go take a look at the possession numbers. And if you go and you scroll down to the bottom of like the full report, you can open up forward lines. So if no if anybody's never looked at this before, just take a look. At top line of Suzuki, Anderson and Harvey Pinar. They were at 60% Corsi 4, which is our best surrogate for possession that we have right now. 60%. That against uh Devils team that on the night was at 70.53%. So the only time that the Habs really had an advantage possession-wise is when that line was on the ice. And it's Nick Suzuki playing with Josh Anderson, who we know that works in, in spurts. It doesn't really work all the time. But Harvey Pinard really helping drive that line. If you look at that and you're Kent Hughes, how do you not go, all right, well, I can trade Josh Anderson. He's a major trade piece. I might be able to move him. I might be able to get a first plus. I hope he tries it. Anyways, same as I said about the defenders, this should... At least the, the, what you've seen from your young players should push you to think, all right, I can get rid of this guy. And it's not, it's not to say he's a bad player. It's just I don't think his shelf life is long enough where he's going to be useful to the Habs at the other end of their rebuild. It's going to take some time for this team to get to competing. By the time they're really ready to compete for a cup, he might be mid-30s. That's not... I mean, the, the, his style of play, they don't tend to last into their mid-30s necessarily. He could be the exception to that rule, but I don't know. I think it'd be wise to try and stack up assets while you can. And, um, you know, that would potentially alleviate, you know, some of Tank Nation's concerns at this point about them winning games that they shouldn't win. I mean, if you stack up more picks, if you've got multiple firsts, you've already got two, you can get up to three, three firsts this year, I think you're in great shape. As long as your, you know, your scouting and your drafting is on point, which we know in the history of the Montreal Canadians has not always been fantastic. As long as your drafting, or your scouting rather, and your drafting is on point this year, there's a lot of really intriguing options in that first round. I would not be looking at any team or any team's GM rather in the eyes and saying, No, I don't want your first this year I want to keep Josh Anderson. I think you can get yourself a Josh Anderson or better in the first round of this draft. Absolutely. After that drops off a little bit, but of course again, if your scouting's on point, you can find some gems in the other rounds as well. Just I think for a guy like Anderson, I think there's going to be a first on the table. I think you got to take it. I think you got to take it. And then to move on from all of those folks that I've been talking about so far in this podcast, I think we gotta bring up Evgeny Dadonov one last time. I have no idea if the Habs are gonna be able to trade this guy or not. I know if they do, they're gonna have to eat the maximum salary, and I know that doesn't matter, because he's gone at the end of the year anyways. Contract's over. But, this was a really good game from him. His line got caved in a little bit, but when he had the puck on his stick, he was making things happen. Again, You know scouts from other teams are going to be watching the Habs right now. You know there's probably at least a small handful of teams that are playoff bound who would look at an Evgeny Dadonov as potentially an upgrade in their bottom six. All you need is one that can afford whatever half of his remaining cap hit is. That's it. All you need is one. I'd take anything in return for him at this point. You know he's not coming back next year anyways. Right? You know it. 100% virtually guaranteed he's not coming back. Either he's going to go to Europe or he's going to find another NHL team that's willing to give him a shot. That's that. So even if another team comes along and they say, well, here's a fifth rounder. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Sometimes fifth rounders can be Joshua fucking Roy. So you don't thumb your nose at him. You definitely don't thumb your nose at him. When it's a player that you know 100% is not coming back to your team. I'm just saying. Make the calls. Try to find somebody who's willing to do it. That's the, the last thing that I want to leave, especially for Tank Nation here at the end of this podcast. Is We saw enough in that game. We saw young players getting some scoring. and We saw players who are trade bait getting some scoring done. This is good news. It's good news for the deadlines, good news for the future of the team, and then we also saw potentially Montreal's next starting goaltender doing what he's been doing all year. If he can stay like that consistently, man, legitimately, this could be good news for the Habs. As bad as it is for the draft lottery odds right now, could be good news for the Habs in the long run. We'll see. We got what 10 more days until the trade deadline? Not even, 9 at this point. I guess it depends when you're listening to this, right? Um, oh, not even that. It's March 1st is the trade deadline. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight more days as of me recording this. Never mind when you're listening to it. So we're almost a week away from the trade deadline. I think the Habs are going to be active. Um, let's keep tabs on it and we'll find out. If I'm wrong about that, you know, I'll happily, well, unhappily eat my words. I'm hoping that they're going to be active. Uh, we'll cut it off there. What are we running? 18 and a half. Probably over 19 by the time I get through my final spiel here. So, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.